episode five. Uh, I feel like there's been a lot going on in the news this week, so I I made a little list of things to bring up. Yeah. Um. Can I say first and foremost, you assholes that are out there beating the shit out of and killing postal workers for these arrow keys, can you fucking stop? What What are you really getting out of those goddamn mailboxes that are that important? Like, grow up. Get a get a job. Quit assaulting innocent people trying to make a living by delivering your goddamn mail. Jesus. PSA. I'm so sick of it. Don't come at me. Because, bitch, I don't have customer service skills. I'll whoop your goddamn ass. I don't care if I lose my <laughs> job or not. You're getting throat punched by me. Also, you can just ask me for the key. They don't pay me enough to care. I'll give you the goddamn key. There you have it. Just saying. All right. Yeah. Um, so we forgot last time to bring up that May 24th was the tragedy anniversary of the Uvalde Elementary shooting. God, yeah. So I just wanted to bring those 21 victims up. Only two were adults in their 40s, and literally the rest of those were kids ages 9, 10, and 11, so. If any of their families have found peace, good for them, but I don't know how you could. What a horrible, horrible situation. Yeah. Such senseless Uh, violence that doesn't ever even need to occur, ever. Yeah, I have, like, a special hatred slash disgust for people who get that angry where they feel like they need to go take it out on somebody, but they don't take it out on the people who actually made them that way. Exactly. Yeah, that's fucked. So, I mean, you can't kill people anyway. It's illegal and it's wrong, but... Right, but I mean, if if you're if you're gonna use your anger in that way, at least I'm not justifying murder, but at least point it in the right direction. Yeah, not random innocent bystanders, weirdo. So, did you hear? Well, first of all, Al Pacino is 82. He's expecting his fourth child. With I his- thought he was 79. No, he's 82. Did you see that he asked for a DNA test because he didn't believe he could get anyone pregnant? (laughs) Oh, I didn't see that. That's hilarious. (laughs) And, I mean, that girl is, like, younger than his kids. Gross. Come on. She's she's younger than me. She's 29. Yeah. Ugh. He's he's not even going to live long enough to watch that kid grow up. What do you... I mean, the kid's set for life with money, but... Yeah, it's weird how... Doesn't have a dad. No big deal. Yeah, it's super weird. Um... Speaking of dads, Bam Margera went on the internet and (laughs) he's on a rampage again. He said that he's going to smoke crack with the bums until he's dead if his baby mama doesn't hand his son over to him. I I didn't know he was a dad, but also I can't believe he hasn't smoked crack till he was dead yet. Yeah, he's it's so heartbreaking. Yeah, it's so heartbreaking to watch himself destruct because... I used to love the Bam Margera show. Like, I loved that show. And yeah. after they were just ignorant. You know what I mean? And that is hilarious. It was hilarious to me when I was younger because I was slightly the same way, just not so intense doing backflips off whatever, all that <laughs> extra stuff they did. Okay, so speaking of shows from back in the day, remember that 70s show? Bro, I was just about to bring up Danny Masterson. I was heartbroken. Yeah. When I found out he got 30 years, because I really, really, really didn't believe he was guilty. Yeah, well, I thought it was just the um, 
the thing before the sentencing where he was found guilty on two counts and he he faces up to 30 years but he doesn't know how long oh okay i thought he already got sentenced but man but okay but hold on because i do want to say first of all we loved that show back in the day i've never seen it oh really yeah no i wasn't into that stuff back then huh well i know but I, I did love, love him on the ranch on Netflix with Ashton Kutcher. Absolutely love that show. Okay, okay. Yeah, like that's I don't know, it's weird to if you were a character from my childhood, bitch, don't get old and start doing weird shit. Like Right. That's I don't know. That just makes me feel like, uh, you've been that way the whole time or what? Well, um, I mean, we do have to remember that the roles they're playing is not them. <laughs> Yeah, but it's hard for me to separate. If oh, I, me too. If, Believe me. me. That's why there's so many actors that have played shitty roles, and I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> who's I, the dude that plays Patrick Bateman? Christian Bale. Yeah, like, I first saw him on as Patrick Bateman on American Psycho. It's one of my favorite movies. Dude, I'm I all... hate Kiefer Sutherland and his father. See, I don't know those people. Donald Sutherland played President Snow in The Hunger Games, and he's a sack of oh, fuck okay, for okay. how he treated people. I don't like him. <laughs> yeah, well, he he played that role on the movie, too, so he's like an easy-to-hate character, you yeah. know? So if he was that way in real life, it, it just matches and makes sense. But, okay, so I guess three women accused him of rape during the years of 2001 to 2003, and he got found guilty on two counts of it. They said his wife, Bijou... Or some some sort of dog breed sounding ass name. She, w- when they heard the verdict, they she was inconsolable, just hysterical in the courtroom to the point the judge was like, "I know it's hard, but pipe down or you gotta go." <laughs> so that's amazing. Okay, eighteen year old Cameron Robbins jumps off cruise ship as a dare and has been missing ever since. Well, this yeah, what ago. a moron! What a stupid Have, dare! I hope he was at least triple dog dared. Like, were you drunk? What are you doing? Have you seen the picture of, like, the Titanic in front of a cruise ship just to show, like, yeah. the size different? Yeah. That's a big fucking ship. Why would you the jump Disney off The Disney cruise ships are, like, three times the size of the Titanic. That's insane to me. I know, like, because Titanic seems so big. And then I... Can you jump out the side windows, or do you have to be at the top? So no, you, you have, have to be on one of the balcony levels. Okay, so I don't know how far up he was, but I feel like even like the fr- the lowest balcony level to jump off of, I feel like you're still going to like hit the water and go down pretty deep. And then what if you like broke your neck and stuff and was immediately paralyzed? Or Not something? only that, um, but I mean, once once you're in the water, you're screwed. Do you think they're just going to stop the cruise ship? Like it's that easy? Like they can just pump the brakes and wait for you to get back on? Yeah. Not only that, but where was the cruise at? Because if he jumped into cold water, no, he's done. (laughs) See, yeah, there's a lot of factors. I don't know all the details. There's a lot of stupidity. Yeah, for sure. So May 27th, there was a six-year-old girl beat to death by her mom. Just a stupid bitch. Um, The the baby girl's name is Jalea Eason, and I think they're from the Bronx. She's I believe the middle of three kids, but her other two were boys, and they are out of the custody of the mom, obviously. But they said they went in there, and there's, like, shit, piss, everything, everywhere. Roaches, bed bugs, all types of critters. She was black and blue, found in the closet, not breathing, 
um, full of bruises. The neighbors that called the police said that at like 3.40 in the morning, they heard her screaming, stop, stop, like at the top of her lungs, like it scared them for the girl. And then they heard a loud ass thump and just silence after that. So they called the police and um, that was that. The mom is out on bond. Where is she at? Because... In the Bronx, New York. We can take care of that real quick. So she hasn't been charged with murder. She continues to hold on to her innocence um, and say that she didn't do it because she was asleep. She doesn't know what happened. Oh, okay. She slept through... (sighs) Okay. Yeah. Well, so there's also on TikTok, um, people saw her record this video of the little girl and... She was like, hey, girl, and the girl didn't respond, and then she said it again, and she was like, hi. Like, it was forced. Like, she was scared of her, um, didn't know what to say, and she keeps calling her daughter weird in all the videos, I guess. It's just gross, super disheartening to think about moms killing their babies. I would rather these women get abortions than go through these pregnancies if they're fucking sick, sadistic, psychopathic pieces of shit. Don't fucking... What's wrong with you? Don't bring a child into this world if you at all are capable of killing your kid. They don't ask to be born. These None of these kids are asking to be born. They have zero fucking choice in the matter. Keep your legs closed or get a goddamn abortion if you can't be a decent fucking parent. I agree with that. Like, if you know you don't want kids, don't have kids. I want to say this because a lot of people do bring up There's a difference between psychosis or a person with a psychotic disorder and then a psychopathic person. So like a psychopathic person, those are the people, yeah, you probably were better off having an abortion. And that's not to say that if you've been diagnosed with ASPD that you'll just be a shitty parent because some of those people, even with very little empathy, they can learn right from wrong cognitively and they can do their best as a parent. They just might not be like as nurturing or whatever. Which is Um, still uh, shitty. Yeah, but I mean, if we were going to go through and say like, you have to be perfect parents to have a kid. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like, we grew up with parents that didn't know how to nurture. Yeah, and it's shitty. And I feel like being a parent myself shows me that like my mom never tried. And looking back, like she had five kids by three dudes. And like my big sister pretty much raised my little brother and stuff. This ain't about me, but I'm just saying like, these women, like, want to have these kids because they're trying to keep the man, you know? Yeah, that's and, gross. Right. And that is a thing. It exists. Or they think that, like, a baby's going to build this picture-perfect future that they have idealized, and they don't go get abortions. But a person who has, like, postpartum psychosis, they can be a great person, a very nurturing, loving, caring person, and something chemically goes very, very wrong in their brain. The same way that out of all of the population of fat people, some of them are going to have heart attacks, but not all of them. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, can't, you, you can't predict um, if you're going to have postpartum psychosis. There's things that are like markers if you have... A history of being diagnosed with bipolar disorder or super, super high anxiety levels and stuff like that, uh, you might be a little bit higher risk, but it can happen if you don't have those things. And I just want to say that postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis, there's myths about these things. They're not talked about enough. And when they are, there's so much stigma. So I just want to say before I start this case, postpartum depression 
is its own diagnosis. Postpartum psychosis is its own diagnosis. Depression after you have a baby is not an emergency, but you do need to talk to your doctor about it. Postpartum psychosis, though, is a medical emergency. Even if you don't feel like you're changing and people around you are saying, like, you're starting to talk crazy, you're acting like paranoid, or you're saying things that you don't normally say, like religious stuff or about demons. I mean, yeah, if you start speaking in tongues, I'm calling someone. <laughs> so if you if you also have gone... I'm sorry, if you've worked at like a nursing home where there's a dementia unit and one of the wanderers with dementia starts like rambling and saying like crazy stuff and it doesn't make any sense, like that's part of what can occur with postpartum psychosis and stuff. And those those things need immediate medical care. Right. Like attention. That I wanted to say that sometimes a really, really unfortunate situation happens and the innocent baby or child where whenever it happens um is who suffers and that's the importance of having a support system that understands this stuff i think that hospitals need to have some sort of prenatal slash postpartum education for the dads or the mom or whoever your support system is like just educating them about these things these are the warning signs i don't know if they do that if that's not a thing it needs to be taken serious because there's it seems to be like one to five percent of pregnancies gets postpartum psychosis. I think that's the stat or one in 1000 births or something like that. But if you think about it, there's a lot of births every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's actually it's more common than that. Like one percent sounds exactly um and i feel like uh you know i i hate to throw this out there because people are gonna be like oh here we go but i feel like the second a baby is born to someone that's on state insurance the less the hospital gives a shit you know what i mean like people with the medical card stuff like that are just written off like their issues aren't that important like here we go we did enough for you be happy we did that and send you on your way and I feel like there's not enough resources out there to the low-income community, to people that are on the medical card and stuff. It is too hard to get into therapy and stuff because not all therapists do take that insurance. And the ones that do, it takes forever to get into because there's a waiting list a mile long because there's not enough out there willing to take that insurance. And then when you do get one, you feel like they don't really listen to you because they have 8,000 other patients that they also have to deal with and like you're just kind of rushed along. So things just need to change across the board when it comes to mental health awareness, mental health care, all of that. Like if someone's saying that they feel crazy or that they're constantly panicking anything, just take it serious. You're not that person. You Maybe that person can't even put into words exactly how they're feeling, but don't brush them off. If your friend calls you in the middle of the night, losing their shit, bawling their eyes out, listen to them. You you could be the one that makes a difference. And if they go jump off the bridge or calm down and go to sleep and handle the next day, like people got to start looking out for each other more. It's so much better to just answer the phone at 3 a.m. for someone than to get that call the next day that they killed themselves because they were trying to reach out and they had nobody. You don't want to live with that the rest of your life either. I agree. And I want to add, having mental health issues or having to seek help for psychosis or anxiety or depression or anything doesn't make you weak. Seeking help for those things 
makes you extremely strong because it's very hard to open up and admit that you're having those problems. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, there's so much on the world of mental health. We could sit here and make a whole episode about that. I swear. I do want to incorporate like little things that I've learned along my own personal journey, just like with having trauma in my past and stuff like that, that have helped me or that I've realized or learned along the way. Because I feel like even even if only one person hears this and takes away that and it's helpful, it's worth me saying it on this I agree. little platform we're trying to build. Yeah. So, so the, yeah, that brings us to our case for today. I'm doing Deasia Watkins in Cincinnati, Ohio, 2015. She was 23 years old at this time. The victim was her three-month-old Janiah Watkins. Okay, yeah, the other parties that are involved in this that are relevant are her cousin Robert Stewart, who at the time uh, was 30 or 31, and then Robert's mom, which would be DeAsia's aunt, Deborah, who at this time was 56, chronically ill, I think legally blind or something where her eyes hurt and she needs like specific eye drops and stuff. And then uh, Janiah's dad, his name is James Brown. <laughs> so December 4th, 2014, Janiah was born. Everything was good. James worked full time, had an apartment where Janiah and DeAsia were living and everything seemed okay. But tragedy lurked around the corner because something went wrong chemically or hormonally that caused DeAsia to go into postpartum psychosis. So on January 25th of 2015, uh, Cheviot police dispatched to the home where they were living around midnight. Multiple neighbors were concerned with the screaming of DeAsia crying, or I'm sorry, DeAsia was screaming in the crying of the baby Janiah. When they got there, they could hear the baby crying, but DeAsia refused to open the door, so they threatened a fourth century. After hearing that, James's cousin Chris opened the door for them. They noticed a strong odor of marijuana in the apartment and that DeAsia's behavior was super erratic. When an officer attempted to remove Janiah from DeAsia's arms, DeAsia tried to choke her, choke the baby. Oh my god. Yeah, and so she was seven weeks old. Jesus at Christ. This time. EMTs were called to perform like welfare checks on both DeAsia and Janiah. They took Janiah and then DeAsia passed out on the floor with her eyes open. They don't understand how she lost consciousness, like the cause is unknown, but probably lack of sleep. I was going to say getting no or, help. She was probably just walking around like a freaking zombie at that point. Yeah. I mean, she, I know what well, it's so like she to have lived, a baby. It's not fun. Yeah. So she lived with her kid's dad. He obviously worked full time, but yeah, I live with my kid's dad too. We know how much he helped. Yeah. He wasn't like that. He was like always, he, he actually was very concerned with her because she completely changed after she had the baby. He, he had been pleading for help with, with these people. Damn. Um, so she like when she passed out with her eyes open, obviously her pupils are not dilating correctly, reacting to light. She's just not responding. You can't fake that. You cannot fake an episode of psychosis. I just want everybody to know no, that. No, you can't. This is you not, can't fake your how your pupils react to light either. That's what I'm saying. Like you if you're in a, an episode of psychosis, you're not faking it. And it doesn't always look like crazy, super energetic and stuff. You could be talking regular, but the shit you're saying, you're talking about aliens or demons or something. And 
it makes no sense to other people in reality. Yeah. So there's there's just certain things that you can't fake. She got transported to Deaconess Hospital for a psyche eval, placed on a 72-hour hold, and at the hospital, she denied having any mental health issues. She was diagnosed with postpartum psychosis, and though she denied smoking weed, they found it in her system. She, she then was placed on antipsychotic medication, which means that she would have to stop nursing her baby. Staff at the hospital documented notes on her, stating that she was minimizing the situation as no big deal. And then they expressed concern with her caseworker on her lack of grasping how severe her situation was. So this Yeah, I mean, she didn't think it was pretty serious that she tried to choke her baby? Well, so, like, if you're in a psychosis, you're not gonna, you're not gonna know. I understand that, but I'm saying when she came out of it. Um, so that's the whole thing. If you get on meds, if they do something like an ECT, I've seen people like when I worked in end of life care, like long term living, I've seen people like be super. I don't know how to word it, but in they had like some sort of geriatric psychosis. It's like a they just change mm-hmm. overnight. Something goes something goes wrong with what's going on with their bodies or their brains. And we would send them to like the suburbs to like the geriatric, I think like Alexian, the geriatric behavioral unit. And they would do like a given ECT, which is a electro convulsion therapy, which is, it's not like the American horror story type of <laughs> mad scientist shit. It's like pads they put on your temples and shit. And it gives you a vibration, not shocks and stuff, but they would come back and they would be like so outgoing and people that were too sluggish to get up and walk on their own that were fall risk would be up like fast paced walking and balanced. It was, it's Hmm. mind boggling. The chemicals in your brain like literally can change so much. And so even if you start taking a medication, I'm sure that's going to take longer to like fully kick in and get you back to normal. On January 30th, Deasia returned to the apartment under a safety plan. The three factors that were in the need for further assessment category were, one, is anyone with access to the baby violent? Two, is there drug and alcohol use by anyone with access to the child that would suggest that the child is potentially in immediate danger of serious harm? And three, is the behavior of anyone in the family or with access to the child symptomatic of mental illness that would suggest that the child is potentially in danger of serious harm. So Deasia was allowed to have supervised visits with her baby, provided that she continues to take her psych meds and that either James or his sister, Jalicia, was present at all times. A caseworker visit substantiated that Deasia was not on board with the plan. James sent text. James is the baby daddy. So he sent text to the caseworker stating that he doesn't believe that she's taking her meds and he never saw her take her meds and was fearful that she wouldn't complete the treatment plan and that the baby would be taken from his care. Upon investigation, they found that the meds were never filled at the pharmacy. James confronted the baby mama, told her that she has to get out if she's not going to get help because he's not letting his daughter get taken because she's in denial of her mental status. When he told her it's serious and you need to get help or you need to get out. She became upset and started kicking her legs and screaming like regression, like Mm -hmm. a child. After arguing for a while, she was reluctant, but she agreed because the lease was in James name and she knew she had nowhere else to go or nowhere else that she wanted to be anyway. February 6th of 2015, it was about a week after she returned to the apartment. The caseworker made an unannounced visit to the home and was still unable to verify if Deasia had filled her prescription 
but DeAsia played a role. They were all in cooperation with the rest of the rules. So the caseworker left and still verifying if she was filling her meds was pending information at this time. Jesus. She so, should have left without verifying that. Yeah. So over the next couple of weeks, things continued to deteriorate. By the end of the month of February, DeAsia abandoned the apartment and moved in with her Aunt Deborah. At this time, James hadn't legally established established paternity because his ID was expired when he was there at the birth. So they said they could they couldn't accept that as a valid form of identification. I want people to know that I fully believe that because a similar situation happened to me as far as I went through something similar. They have stupid ass rules. That's like insane. That. Yeah, it's ignorant. I, I was like Googling state laws and everything. Yeah, Illinois but... got horrible state laws. <laughs> Yeah, and apparently Ohio does too. So because he hadn't established paternity legally yet, it was deemed that the if the baby returned to DH's custody, that imminent risk of harm to the child existed. So they had no choice but to remove the baby from the home. So since there were no known family members on DH's side who were willing to take uh, temporary custody of Janaya, she was going to be under the temporary custody of Hamilton County Job and Family Services. So CPS or DCFS, wherever you live, they call it different yeah. things. Um, during the interim, Janiah was placed in the care of DeAsia's Aunt Deborah. So neither James nor DeAsia were allowed to see Janiah, and Deborah agreed to the terms. During the caseworker's visit to Deborah's home, she confirmed that she was not letting DeAsia come around. She was adhering to the agreement and that Janiah was thriving. However, that wasn't the case, and Deborah knew it. Days prior to this visit, DeAsia had moved into her home and was spending lots of time with Janiah. Deborah was coping with her own personal issues and health issues. Like she, she was older, sick. She had a chronic illness. She couldn't see. Like she, they just called her. Later on, she said DeAsia called her and was like, like CPS is going to take the baby. I don't have anywhere to go, but I can't stay here because they wanted me to take these meds and. You know, she was hesitant at first to agree, but she had helped her family out before because people have that notion that the state just wants to take your kids away and shit. And so everybody's scared of having involvement with these DCFS or CPS or whatever they call it. So she was like, well, yeah, that's fine. And then if Janiah seems normal and she's not seeing the psychosis episode and stuff, she just seems like a little bit depressed, but... Deborah wanted to be there for her her niece. I don't know. It makes sense, but I don't like it. I think that people need to understand these people don't want to take your kids from you. They want you to not harm your child. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, there's a lot of there's a lot of stigma around those There is. Uh what do you like departments or whatever you call them. She later stated that she didn't want to raise anybody else's baby as she was older and it was becoming too much to handle. She had raised her own kids and been a foster parent for other members of the family who had uh, dealings with CPS and DCFS. So she was the one with like the good name who helped her family keep their kids from being taken by the state. So March 16th, 2015, three days after that caseworker's visit, Baby Janiah's short, innocent life came to a brutal oh. end. 
in the home of Miss Deborah. So there was a 911 call that morning. This is how the 911 call went, and it's on YouTube. So Deborah was saying she's not supposed to be here, Robert, in a stressed but calmed and concerned voice. And then once the dispatcher said 911, what's the address of your emergency? Deborah became frantic and pleaded for the police to come. The dispatcher confronted her on how she wasn't crying when she first answered. She was talking to somebody, and so she was like, she was like, who are you talking to, blah, blah, blah. But no, I don't even want to put my, my thoughts on that in there. Okay. Uh, Deborah stated that Robert, her son, came in the room and said, Mom, the baby's dead. Robert arrived at his mom's house a few minutes prior to this with his own children. His youngest child went into the kitchen first and discovered the gruesome scene that DeAsia left for her aunt to wake up to. Robert immediately took his kids outside to make sure they were safe and away from the scene and hurried back in to find his mom. His mom was asleep, so he woke her up and told her what was going on in the kitchen and Deborah immediately called 911. That's when she was saying, she's not supposed to be here, Robert. And then she, like reality kind of set in. And so she started getting hysterical on the phone. At this time, they didn't know where DeAsia was. So Robert got on the phone because he was able to actually speak. Hold on. And I so want to interrupt turning... you real quick. I just want to say something because people are quick to judge 911 calls and how people yeah. behave on them. And until you find yourself in a situation you don't get to judge other people by how they behave on a 911 call. You have no idea how you're going to handle a trauma like that in that moment, what your body's going to do. You could be completely calm until it sets in and then you start losing your shit. Like, that can be a real yeah. thing. You can also start the call off by screaming your head off and then start to calm yourself down and talk normal. Like, you everybody's different everyone's gonna process things different and I don't I just feel like nobody gets to sit there and be like well this sounds suspicious because she was talking normal and then now she's faking it right you don't know that I mean you have no idea based off that that's how people look at Deborah like like she should be in jail too which she should have gotten like fined or mandatory education on why a child would be taken away just so she knows for further, right. even though she shouldn't be able to like foster. Well, this is why I, I have an issue sometimes with children being placed with other family members. Yeah, because they break yeah. their rules and stuff. I'm, but also think of like the well, the welfare of the child too. Like you don't want to place, it depends on their age, like a three month old, it wouldn't make much difference. But if they were older, it's probably more traumatizing for them to be with complete strangers and have to start a new life. Yeah, but stuff. think about how and traumatizing it is for a kid that's a little bit older that was removed from an abusive family, put with another family member, and those members of the family that were abusing them are still coming around. That's not yeah, helping yeah, either. See, that's, no, I don't know. Yeah, there's there's just a lot yeah. that goes with Just don't fucking have kids if you can't yeah, raise serious. kids. It's really a simple concept. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree with you on the 911 call thing. If somebody were to file a FOIA and get the 911 call of when my toddler, who was 18 months at this time, but pulled his brother's microwave noodles onto his body, I have been through so much. I've watched people die at my job. Like, I've lost people to homicide that were very close to me. I have never felt terror until I turned around and saw his body, like, 
his little literally like his torso was melting like candle wax and i just dropped my phone and started jumping up and down screaming and then i hurried up and picked it up and down that one i don't even remember what i was saying but i remember the lady was like okay just breathe calm down we're on our way and i don't even it's just like a blur now so you can quickly respond or it might be like a slower response yeah. you know like you don't know what a person's mental process is so that doesn't make them innocent or guilty yeah so with that being said robert ended up getting on the phone and they didn't know where deasia was at this time so he was hurrying them to get there because his kids were in the car and he wasn't out there with him so if his fugitive murderous cousin popped out he was literally like if my cousin pops out with a weapon i'm not gonna have a cousin <laughs> anymore like so you need to get here because he ain't letting her do harm right. to anybody else well, yeah he and had so, his own kids there yeah so the dispatcher was asking like what happened if the baby was breathing and he kept saying listen lady the baby is deceased i don't know nothing else i don't know where my little cousin is i think that they asked so many questions to keep you on the phone just to like get all the details and get a picture of it but he was also like, I'm not going in there to touch anything. I, it's, I already saw it. Right, exactly. It it, yeah, it was a heinous scene. So two officers arrived a few minutes later. They immediately entered the home. One of them went to the kitchen and confirmed that the baby was dead for sure. The other officer located Deborah in the bathroom of the master bedroom. They radioed for assistance. And when it became an official crime scene, part of that is the officers clearing the home of everyone in it. And so in the process of going through the home to look for people, they found Deasia tucked in bed with only her hair showing. When they pulled back the blankets and saw blood on her shirt, they cuffed her immediately, put her in the hallway, laying on the floor where another officer stood to watch her. They took everybody down to be interrogated where Deborah had her other sister, Cindy, with her, uh, which is another one of Deasia's aunts. I don't know where her mom and dad is. I heard that she had like a rough upbringing, but I can't find any like real information on them. Robert was there trying to get his mom to calm down and cooperate and accept that she'd have to help and do the right thing. And Deborah was just like wailing, saying, I'm going to die. Somebody help me. They're going to lock me up. I shouldn't have let her around. They might as well kill me. Like she was just thinking she's going to die in jail because she tried to help her family out <laughs> and it went wrong. So yeah, listen to the rules. If a legal process is in place, it's probably for the best interest yeah. of the child. Um. Yeah, so they spent six hours in the room with Deasia, and she looked at each person when they talked, but never responded to a word they were saying, not even non-verbally. Like, she didn't change her blink rate, her respiration. She wasn't bouncing her knee. She didn't smirk or anything. She just didn't respond. They had to make her stand up and held her up for her mugshot photo, and then they stripped her clothes and attempted to talk to her more, but got the same results. And then she ended up being transported back to Deaconess Psych Unit, where she yet again received treatment. Three days later, she came back to the police station and was completely different from the first time she sat in that room. She was talking without them repeating the questions. She signed the papers voluntarily, stating she understood her Miranda rights and stuff. During Deborah's interrogation, her sister Cindy, who was there with her, um, assisted in answering questions and her sister was in distress so she she knew what was going on because she had communicated with deborah throughout this process so she met them down there she told the interrogator that deasia called deborah one night begged her to come get her deborah wanted to do the right thing to help her so she went and helped 
her pack and picked her up. She confided in her sister Cindy that she was hesitant to agree to taking custody of the baby because she wasn't confident she could care for a baby that small and didn't realize the severity of the Nisa situations. The agreement was since Deborah was retired, she would take custody of the baby, but Cindy would come over and help when she was off work because that seemed like the best thing to do for the family to avoid the young baby going into a foster home. So Deborah's statement was that her eye was hurting and that she needed to take her meds. So she passed the baby off to DeAsia that night and went to bed. Everything was seemingly normal. DeAsia's statement was that all of this was true, but she thinks that her aunt Deborah was the one who killed Janaya. So the lamp in DeAsia's room was broken and she didn't remember that happening or like what caused that, nor did she remember how the baby got to the kitchen and said the baby had a knife in her hand when she saw her. Gotta watch out for those murderous babies. Yeah, three-month-olds. She said she didn't see what happened, but she heard Robert's daughters screaming and the news made its way throughout the house, but she doesn't know how we made the leap from putting the happy, healthy baby to sleep in the crib to the baby ending up badly injured, which resulted in death on the kitchen counter. Her exact statement was... I don't know, I guess Aunt Debbie was sleepwalking. Oh my God. However, the detectives hit her with, that's not what happened, be the fuck for real. <laughs> because they had fingerprinted the knife already and knew those were DeAsia's fingerprints, not Deborah's. DeAsia denied that those were her fingerprints, even though they were. Deborah also had no blood on her or in her room, but DeAsia had blood on her clothes, body, and in her bed where she was found. There was no physical evidence that Deborah did this or knew it happened at all, but still DeAsia said, oh, well, I don't know, Aunt Debbie sleepwalks. So the detectives then start pulling out the bad person versus the bad thing interrogation tactic and asked her if there was something going on that would have made her do a bad thing. Because sometimes people don't want to admit to their crimes because of the shame that comes with looking like a bad person and that would just kill their little fragile ego. So that's why they say, well, everybody does bad things. So if you did a bad thing, it doesn't make you a bad person. And then they end up admitting. So she said, They were just trying to take my baby. She still held on to her denial of committing the heinous crime and didn't hold herself accountable. Then the detectives went on to tell her that James asked if he could go see her at the Deaconess and that he feels like he's the only one she'd open up to. He was hurt about his daughter and angry that it happened so soon, but he was also concerned with her well-being because this wasn't like her and he wanted answers from her. Uh, Once DeAsia heard that James and the family were so concerned with her well-being and knew what she had done. She admitted that she took the baby into the kitchen and killed her. It only took about 40 minutes to get a confession out of her. So she was lying, but it wasn't like hours and hours of lying. You know what I mean? James had shared some details with the caseworker when DeAsia left to the Deaconess Hospital the first time in January, stating that she started displaying concerning behaviors at the beginning of January. His words were... She would be fine one minute and then the next minute start crying hysterically and talking about religion and demons being present. It was so concerning that he recorded her while he held his baby to give her a break because he was unsure how to handle the behavior as she never acted this way before. Like this was completely not like her to be this way. The caseworker documented DeAsia's words from the audio. She was hysterically crying and saying things like, why God, why me? What did I do to deserve this? Who are these demons? Please make it stop. Like clearly having hallucinations. And so she would be unprovoked and burst out into these episodes and then be back to normal. At this point, 
I'm just going to say trigger warning because these are the details of what happened to the three-month-old baby. So so if you are sensitive <clears throat> to shit like this, click the fuck off. Yeah, save yourself. Um, so Deasia recalled the details of what happened the night she killed her baby. This might be hard to listen to depending on who you are, listener. So Deasia said that she took Janaya and tried to change her diaper. The baby was screaming and crying, so she just didn't change her. She gave up. She threw her across the room. When she threw her, the baby didn't die, so Deasia walked to her, picked her up, banged her head against the bookshelf four times. She still didn't die, so she picked up a big stick and hit her in the head four times. Deasia said Janiah wasn't dying fast enough, so she took her in the kitchen to finish the task of killing her. She picked up a knife and stabbed her in the oh head God. while telling her, die, die, die. She stabbed the baby in the eye, and the baby was still twitching, fighting for her life. Um, so she used the knife to sever her neck to the point that her head was cut God, off her body completely. Oh my God. Yeah. When she was done, she put the knife in the baby's hand so it would, quote, quote, look like she did it to herself. Yeah, that was, that was a good idea. Um, what the fuck? How the fuck (laughs) did the aunt sleep through all of this? I don't know. A baby being thrown against the wall? You didn't hear a loud thud? Well, so no, in, in the 911 call, the son was like, this this oh. house is huge. I don't, I don't know where she could be. So she was probably far away from her. But I just want to point out that this type of shit is completely out of her character and i just want to point out i hate her regardless and that's fine but that just goes to show you what psychosis is she put the knife in a three month old baby's hand so it would look like she did it to herself a rational thinking person would know that that's not what that nobody's my issue with this is that she knew that she had issues and she was refusing to take her meds that's, I agree with that. So she's yeah. That's guilty. my problem. Yes. If she had done this before there were meds, before she got any help. I could have sympathy for her and how horrible of a situation she was in. But she already knew what she was up against. She knew why the baby was with the aunt. She had no business even being there, and she was refusing to take her meds. So now I hope she gets beat to death in prison. Um. Okay, maybe. I mean, I 80% agree with that. I just think that if you tell a person in an episode of Psychosis that they have psychosis, that it's, you know what I mean? Like, that's okay. kind of like telling a blind person. But, okay, so this. when the social worker came to do a visit, was Deasia in a moment of psychosis right then, whenever the social worker was asking if she'd filled her meds? Right, that's why I'm saying I 80% agree with you, because she was she was right, exactly. refusing that's- this whole time. Yeah, I agree. I just think that the psychosis does play a big role in this. Absolutely. And without postpartum psychosis, this would not have happened to the baby. So that should be considered. And that that's completely different from like an evil person who does shit like this because yeah. they're mad that the, the baby left them it and is, shit. But you know she what I mean? should still never be allowed um, to reproduce ever again. I agree. I think if you, for whatever reason, kill your own child or sit there while your man kills your child and you don't do anything about it, I think that you should mandatory whether you go to jail or not have a whole hysterectomy or sterilization also like i don't shouldn't be allowed to ever babysit anyone else's child just stay the fuck away yeah you go on a registry for sure like casey anthony should never casey anthony should be allowed to breathe (laughs) yeah yeah so okay so her statement and the coroner's report aligned perfectly the coroner said that they lost count of the amount of times the baby sustained stab wounds she also had a fractured right arm probably from being thrown across the room that's the least severe of her injuries Uh, 
Yeah. Oh, that poor baby. Um, oh Deja was unable to provide a reason for the spark that set her off on this violent outburst, but obviously she was in psychosis. Well, and clearly the baby's she, crying set her off. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, like yeah. stress will do it. And it can, it can completely change. Like Deborah said that her niece was like perfectly fine. And James also said the same thing. And if you've ever seen somebody struggle with like real psychosis, you know, you could go, you could go wake them up and they'll be perfectly fine. Take a shower, go to their room after they get dressed. And in that little time of them getting dressed, they might've saw something or slipped or got pissed off about whatever thought popped in their head. And they're like completely combative and they're trying to be violent toward you. Like I've seen that in the nursing homes. (laughs) Deja was unable to provide the reason for the spark that set her off. Uh, she did say that she didn't feel bad for it, but was unsure why. Like, she just doesn't feel anything. So, in my mind, I wonder if, like, have you ever been so, like, anxious or stressed to the point where you're, like, really short with your kids or something? And, you know, like, you 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 think, like, I didn't have to yell at them. I could have just answered Brittany, it. Brittany, every day but, of my life. You know what I mean? But I'm saying, like, when you get to the point where you're, like, snapping and stuff and I don't mean just violent and so like our kids aside but I'm saying in a psychosis I wonder if she got so like worked up and did that and it took over her and then she was like in like the crash afterward so yeah she realizes she uh could have given the baby to her dad but she couldn't get a hold of him fast enough and then 50 sorry 15 minutes after she killed the baby that's when Robert and his kids arrived so that sucks she couldn't just like tough it out on the 911 call, after being asked to describe the scene multiple times, Robert told the dispatcher, word for word, I'm reading his quote, Look, lady, I don't want to describe the scene. The scene is very, very bad, all right? The baby's head is open, like open, open. I'm not going in there to touch nothing because I don't want to mess anything up. I'm not going in there to look because I've already seen it, but it's very violent. It's a very violent scene. According to prosecution and the Hamilton County Job and Family Services, they did their job perfectly. Okay. There was no issues with well, that. We can agree yeah. to disagree on uh, that. No, well, I know I I'm saying we you. can agree to disagree with them. <laughs> yeah. They would not seek the death penalty due to the nature of Deasia's severe mental illness and instead charged her with aggravated murder. Deasia initially entered a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity to the aggravated murder charge, but the presiding judge ordered her to receive psychiatric treatment, and then when she completed that, she was deemed competent to stand trial, so she changed her plea to guilty and received 15 to life. So she's different. I want to explain this because different states have different life life in prison, like what that means. Some states have life, which means like you have to do 30 years or 45. I think it's 45 in Illinois or 50. And then you're eligible for parole. So after 15 years served, she can go ask the parole board to review her and see if she's um, eligible for parole. Like to be able to come back and live, but she might not, she might not ever get the treatment she needs because the U.S. prison system doesn't really have resources that they should for mental illness, I don't think, in my personal opinion. But yeah, that's the case of Deja Watkins. Just want to emphasize again how important it is to be mindful of changes that your body goes through after you have a baby, even if you're not in a psychosis, even if it's depression, because I did so much research because I was going to come with the stats of postpartum psychosis and stuff. But part of my research led me to watch this um, 
compilation videos of fathers who are talking about postpartum psychosis in their in their like kids mom and stuff and some of the dads they still had their babies and the mom committed suicide and then like some of the dads the mom killed the baby and then themselves and so it's just devastating how we don't have enough postnatal care for yeah moms. you know what i mean like every, everything's always on the baby because the baby's totally dependent and stuff and then we get this little some places get paid leave but some places don't <laughs> but you can take time off legally you're entitled to that you might be struggling financially during maternity leave and um i don't know i just feel like this could have been prevented. it could have been in so and many so, ways it's so it's so how many how many babies and children have to lose their lives to situations like this before we start taking mental health serious before we start worrying about moms after they give birth i mean it's a life-changing event unless you go through it you don't understand what a person's mind and body goes through even if you don't end up getting postpartum depression or anything like that those first few weeks are still life-changing i mean you're in a whole new world you are running on no sleep you've got a baby that won't stop crying you just want to cry you don't know why the baby's crying you don't have to have postpartum depression to lose your mind and snap i mean if you're not especially if you're doing it alone if you're not getting help from a partner or you don't have a support system trying to carry that weight all by yourself something's bound to go wrong either either you're personally gonna suffer or you're gonna make a bad decision i do want to build off that though i want to say this i had my baby august 2020 and i got like a two-week maternity leave because my job needed me and then my job because of like the circumstances around um like the pandemic and stuff we ended up closing down a few months later and so i was like depressed trying to get back into school and had to pay out of pocket but i wasn't working and stuff and then so in 2021 my son's dad was killed august like a couple weeks before my baby turned one and then i was back in school at that time i was in school more than full-time i was taking five classes and in february of 2022 the baby pulled his brother's boiling hot uh macaroni noodles from the microwave onto himself and so he was hospitalized yeah just a whole bunch of stress and drama and mind you like i don't have a big family i don't have any help at all and and then i ended up having to get my my younger son in therapy because he's on the autism spectrum he's severely autistic and so he like is a lot to deal with and i have a newfound respect of moms with special needs kids because this is way different for my older son but i just wanted to say my story to say that there's so many things that could have mm-hmm. gone left with me and thankfully it didn't so it, i just wanted to say like building off what you said a lot of stuff could go wrong but sometimes it doesn't that doesn't mean that for the next right. mom it won't. Just because you can endure so much and it doesn't happen to you does not mean that it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean it's not real just because you can't see mental health. There's people that still don't believe that ADHD is a thing. Just the big thing is, I mean, if you're feeling any of those feelings, any, if you're, if you're feeling overwhelmed, alone, anxious, any of that, like, just reach out. Even if it's to join a mom support group on social media or find one in your local 
town or something just to go sit with other adults um, and be able to share how you're feeling and what you're going through. And you'll see a lot of people are in the same situation. Like you are not alone. You don't have to feel like a bad parent because sometimes you just don't want to pick your baby up because you can't handle it anymore. Like those are all very real things that us as women go through when our hormones are just all over the place. Like it doesn't mean you don't love your baby. It doesn't mean you're going to harm your baby, but it still helps to just talk to someone yeah and what did they change the um national mental health hotline to it's just 988 now right but we can definitely um put a link up on our twitter facebook all of that um we can get those resources out there so you guys can utilize them yeah and i just want to say based on my own experience at I, i wasn't like in this dark deep depression but i like utilized this resource before just to see like how they could help me because i was going through a lot at this time and basically what happens is they you could text them you don't have to talk to them but if you would rather talk you can call them but they basically like asked me where i was and what my circumstances were and they got like a full picture of of me what i was struggling with and then the area that i lived in and they're super helpful to just be very resourceful if you don't feel like Googling and calling a whole bunch of places. Like they are a resource that you should utilize. If Absolutely. You need a free, a free resource at that. So, I mean, yeah. And, and you don't have to, you know, it's private. You don't have to tell anybody else that you're doing this. If you feel embarrassed or anything, or if you feel like you don't have people you can reach out to, you don't have to share with anyone you're doing this. Sometimes it helps to even talk to a stranger, but just reach out. Even if you want to inbox our pages, feel free. I mean, we've been through a lot, so we can we can handle it. We don't follow each other's advice that we give each other, but <laughs> we're good at giving advice. <laughs> we're just not good at following it. <laughs> yeah, stubborn. Uh, yeah, we completely understand. Like, we have, it doesn't matter if it's domestic violence, gang violence. We've been impacted. Like, if you've lost somebody to gun violence in a major city, there's things you can do. There's people you can talk to. There's just resources for any yep. situation out there. Between both of us, we have experienced Way too much. Like, <laughs> Yeah, any it, I literally it's very very rare that I'm shocked by That is true. Story. It's unfortunate. Um, it's tr- but it's true. Yeah, so it's not going to bother me at all. Yeah, so that's that's episode 5. So Sarah is going on vacation. Yep. I'm be drunk on a beach, guys. Um, so we might not have another episode for a minute. I might while you're on vacation, I might prep another case, so I might do two in a row just so you can, like, readjust back into yeah life when you come back. But uh, we do want to work together on more of the um, episodes, like episode four. So I think next we're either going to do, like, well, we might do moms who kill their kids and just do, like, a whole bunch because it's – we were just talking yesterday. It's so common that – we could do a compilation of moms who kill their kids uh, because of psychosis or moms who kill their kids just because they're shitty people yep. and they hate their kids or moms moms who sit in a room and let the stepdad kill their kids or there's just too much baby murdering. There and is, man. Leave the kids on. alone. God and damn. That, if you don't want them, drop, yeah, that's so drop them off on a random doorstep or drop them off at the fire station, police station. Whatever the hell you got to do, but you don't got to kill them. There's so many other options. There really is. Yeah, don't be disgusting. We're going to get into cannibals, um, cults, church leaders who are 
sick, just all types of shit. A, a that, that 70s Game show actor. God damn it, here we go. Ooh. Yup. And at this time, all three of the victims okay. were part of that church as well. The the uh, defense lawyer, I guess, refused I to knew bring Scientology to it. To do it. I don't know how. You, see, I don't really know a lot about Scientology. I know that if but listen, tries to tell Scientology. Me I'm having a silent birth. I'm gonna fuck him up. Because <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm screaming in this bitch. Yeah. How how do you even control that? I was making noises yeah, I, I didn't know, know I could make. Holmes. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so anyway, I just want to say this before we go. Why? I mean, I get the whole separation of church and state, but why do people think that they can use their religion as their like defense tactic? Because even if you sign like a contract, let me tell you something about contract laws. If you sign a contract and it's all legal and notarized, it doesn't matter if a crime is being committed, you still yeah. have to follow the law, which is like, I don't remember that one guy who found the guy on that Reddit group who um, it was like a cannibal. Some of them wanted to eat people. Some of them no, wanted to what be the eaten. Fuck? No. And so no, you don't remember this. Oh, well he found, he found a man that was willing to like spend the rest of his life being the dude's meal. And they, <laughs> I mean, the rest of his life isn't going to be very long. <laughs> Yeah, like he was ready to go eat dinner and be like, all right, now you eat me. <laughs> so so he did that and the guy ended up dying and screaming and it was all on video. Like they had receipts that this was consensual between two parties and the man still got locked up because you can't <laughs> eat a person and kill them. You can't, that's illegal. Like it doesn't matter what your contract or your consent oh, was. God. Like that I, is not I can't. I just... a normal. <laughs> People are I, dumb and they think yeah. that though. So yeah, stop being stupid yeah okay well all right that's all for today see you next time